Matthew chapter 21. You can find this same account in some of the other gospels, but I want to deal with this out of Matthew uh, in particular because I think it probably gives us the greatest details to what I want to look at tonight. Matthew chapter 21. I had planned to start a brief series of sermons, but the Spirit just seemed to lead me in this direction tonight, and I want to do my best to be obedient to Him. Matthew 21, beginning with verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God. Paul's right there, if you will. Jesus went to church. It's really what it says. You'll find him constantly at the temple or at the synagogue, but you find him frequently at church. Yes, you don't have to be in church to experience God's blessings, but I'm thankful for a place set aside, a place of worship that God gives to us. So Jesus went into the temple of God. Now notice this next phrase. And cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Uh, I don't know if you catch the significance of that. A lot of the religious leaders did not want and even in some cases historically did not allow people with infirmities to come into the temple because certain infirmities could be related to uncleanness. But here they come now. When they went out, these that were sick came in. And the Bible says, and when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto him, then, yea, have ye not never read, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Four things I'm calling your attention to out of this particular passage that I want to focus on one area of. I want you to look in verse 12 at the end of that. It says when he came in, he'd overthrown the the tables of the money changers. I'll explain that to you in just a moment. And the seats of them that sold what? Doves. That sold doves. So he comes in. And he starts, first of all, with a cleansing in the house of God, in the temple of God. So that's the first point. I want us to look at the cleansing. Why did he do this? Why why did he go in and turn over these tables? I, I know this is used a lot of times for people to set certain convictions, and I'm not against all of that, but you'll miss the whole meaning of what this is all about if you just take it just at surface level and don't stop for a moment to think what he's really trying to say to us here. When he comes in, he realizes what has happened over a 400-year period. See, one of the problems that always exists with worship is really worship 
can really become more ritual than worship. So what had happened by the time you get to the end of the Old Testament and when you read the last pages of the Old Testament and the last writings just before this period where there was no prophets heard from in the land and, and there was no open vision and it was a time of spiritual darkness, you'll find out that people had gotten ritualistic in their worship. They got in a routine. See, when it all started, they were always commanded, bring your best. Bring your best when you come to church. Bring your best lamb. Bring your best turtle dove. Bring, bring your best heifer. Bring your best ox. Whatever you have, make sure that it's the best that you offer to God. But as time goes on, suddenly it wasn't about the best. It was just the fact that they were going. They were meeting the qualifications of God. The males required to attend the house of God three times annually, and they start going. And before long, they forgot even why they were going. And when they would get there, they were to bring their best. It was to be their lamb. It was to be their offering, their sacrifice. But you'll find out at the end of the Minor Prophets, it had gotten to the point that they wouldn't even take a sacrifice with them. There would be these money changers that were there to change over the money that would be silver for the temple into currency that they could buy a sacrifice after they got there. In other words, they wanted to buy a blessing. So they would come and they would buy these sacrifices. It would kind of be like getting ready to go to church and when you're on your way to church, if you could imagine in that time period, the man looking over at the wife and said, honey, did you happen to bring the sacrifice? And she said, no, you told me you were bringing the sacrifice. Well, it's no problem when we get there, we'll just buy us a sacrifice. And they start looking around and they have all of these animals and they're halt and they're maimed. It's not the best, they look for the best bargain. So they're looking for the cheapest blessing they can get. You know, that, that costs them little. You're not gonna make me do this alone tonight, are you? See, there's some people that you just get in the ritual. You're, you're much like, you don't mean to, but when you get to church, you're, you're like these people that are going to the house of God. They're saying, well, we're gonna go there, we're gonna pay our dues, we're gonna leave. But you, you come in, you sit down, you fold your arms, you say, bless me if you can. And just let me get out of this thing as inexpensive as possible. Don't ask too much out of me. Don't expect me to get on my feet. For heaven's sake, don't expect me to say anything. Don't expect me to act like I'm in love with Jesus. I'm too concerned about what time the pizza place closes, if I'm gonna make it on time or not. I am preaching right now. I'm too worried about will we fit in the routine. I travel this country over and I hear it everywhere I go. We just mind the Lord around here. We just obey God. We, we do what God tells us to do. But you know what? I can be in a service most places just two or three times and I can tell you exactly what their routine is. I can tell you how many songs they're gonna sing. 
I can tell you who's going to testify. I can tell you who's going to pray. I can tell you how long the service is going to go. They're going to start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. They get in a routine. They go through the ritual, but they're proud of the fact that look at what I've done. I am there. And the Lord said, that's not what my house is for. My house is a place of prayer. My house is a place of worship. My house is not a place just to come and meet and greet and retreat. My place is a place that you come to sit together in heavenly places. My place, my house is the place that you come to experience supernatural things. My place, my house should be the place where God says I have liberty. And what was worse? He mentions it here. He mentions it again in John chapter two and verse 16. He in particular deals with those that are selling doves. What's it say in our text? It says that he overthrew the tables of the money changers, but also the seats of them that sold doves. There's Jewish historians that have recorded and Roman historians that have recorded that what had happened by this time in the temple, they would be there at the temple and what they would do, among other things, you know good and well, the sacrifices, they were rated, they were rated per the social standing of people for lack of a better word because again, God was wanting our best. So for the wealthy, they should have had the most expensive sacrifice. But we know that doves were the sacrifice of poor people. So what they were trying to do, they were trying to get a wealthy man's blessings on a poor person's price. A lot of people go to church and they want a rich blessing but they have paid a poor man's price. They haven't prayed for the service. They're not looking for God to do anything. If he shows up, that's fine. If he don't show up, that's fine. I'm just gonna come, spend my time and go home. I am preaching right now. So what they did, the biggest demand was doves because they were the cheapest. It cost the least amount of money. So they would drive a stake in the ground and then they would take a little string and they, they would tie a ring to that string. And then on the other end of the string, they would tie the leg of the dove. So what would happen, they had the peg in the ground, then that ring would fit down over top of that peg and then that string would go out and those doves would just go around and around and around and around. A small space, they're there in that one area, but they're restricted in where they go and where that they're going to move about. So what Jesus did, he said, this is my house and whatever you do, don't you put the dove in a circle. Don't you put the dove in a routine. And he said, I want to turn the seats over of them that sold doves. You're not getting this yet. What did he do? He set the dove free in the house of God. Well, that doesn't mean anything if you don't know what the dove stands for. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. And the day that he was baptized in Matthew 3, the Bible says there was a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then the spirit descended as a dove on Jesus. Do you know what he's saying? This ought to be the place where the Holy Ghost is free. He doesn't 
just a section. He doesn't want to move on just five people or 10 people. If we could somehow set the dove free at Rubyville tonight, we'd leave this place and say, thank God we have been to church. It's called the anointing. It's called the anointing. Do you know that there's historical evidence that when the high priest, you know, the, the high priest had to be anointed. And you know when the high priest and other priests were anointed, there are different symbols for different letters in, in the Hebrew language. And the letter that they used when they would anoint, they would anoint the head of the priest but they would also make that symbol of one of the Hebrew letters. And you know what it looks like? A dove in flight. Because you can't do anything without the anointing. I'm telling you, this is a painful experience to try to come to church and never experience the anointing of the Lord. I am so glad that God has brought me to a church that is still open-minded and open-hearted toward the mighty move of the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Spirit doesn't have liberty, it is so, so dull, so boring, just putting in your time, but when the death gets free, hallelujah, you never know what's gonna happen when we set the dove free. The cleansing. Well, why does he relate that? Spiritual impurity in a believer's life binds the movement of the Holy Spirit. Set the dove free. Set the dove free. Now, why? Why would we need to set the dove free? Well, there's the cleansing, but then came the cure in verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I don't believe we'll see healing come. I know it's through the blood of Jesus and in the name of Jesus, but I also believe it takes the timing of the leadership and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There are times where the Holy Spirit begins to move on people and says, I am now in the house to give you the healing that you need. And the Lord says that comes about through our obedience to the Holy Spirit. Someone asked me some years ago, why don't you have healing services? Can I tell you why? Because I never know when the dove will be set free. But when he gets free, I'm here to tell you things begin to happen. Things unusual can happen. Blind can see, lame can walk. And I don't care the burden that you carry tonight. If the dove gets free, he is the cure for everything. He is the cure for broken hearts. He is the cure for heavy burdens. He is the cure for those that feel cold and indifferent. He is the cure for every disease that you have, whether it be cancer or diabetes or whether it be some other ailment in your body, thank God when the dove gets free the cure comes it takes the 
liberty of the Holy Spirit. You have the cleansing. You have the cure. And then look, if you will, in verse 15, at the end of it, the last half. And the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Do you know when the dove gets free and the cure comes, do you know that takes care of the problem in churches? I hear churches all the time say, we don't have any children. Well, why should you have children? You're trying to give them in your church what the world is giving them. And folks, I'm not being being mean about this. I'm being very honest. We can't compete with the world. They'll outspend us. They'll outthink us. (laughs) They're always on the cutting edge. You can't compete with the world. I, I can't come up here and put on a show for you and give you the kind of show that the world can give. The world always knows the things that will appeal to the flesh and satisfy the flesh. The world knows that. But I've got something that's better than anything that the world could ever offer you. It's better than any entertainment that you'll find anywhere. It's better than any place you can ever go. And the truth of the matter is it won't cost you a dime. You get your kids in the mighty presence and power of the Holy Ghost and you see people start getting blessed and people getting healed. That'll do something to children that they'll never get over because that's something that the world cannot give to them. Do you know how much this church is talked about, they're saying, oh man, I don't know what's going on out there. What's happening here could happen anywhere if you welcome the Holy Spirit and say, we want your presence. We want your power. We cannot do it without you. We're dependent on you. And the children will come. I look back across this crowd tonight and I saw children standing on their feet with their hands up. Some of them waving their hands. Some of you been in church 60 years and you never even grunted. (laughs) Sorry about that. And you may be critical of others that do that. But I'm here to tell you, our kids experienced something last week the week before last at camp. And what they experienced, it was more than the good food. And it was more than the good fellowship. And it sure wasn't a good bed. But I tell you what they experienced, they experienced the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And once you experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that stays with you all the days of your life. And even when you get older, you'll know that God is able and has power to do all things. Once you taste of that, you want that over and over and over again. The cleansing, the cure, the children, Praising God. (laughs) It tickles me when people come in love to help others or come with their offerings. And I watch them hold those little ones 
too short to reach up to get to the offering plate. And then somebody tell them, you put it in the wrong plate. Give them more. (laughs) Send them to the other one. Does that not bless you? Well, maybe you should go to me, with me to some churches that the youngest person there's me. Then you'll begin to understand what God is doing. He's not only put us at a place where we've enjoyed the liberty of the Holy Spirit, but now these young men and young women's coming on and they're enjoying the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Thank God it will draw children. That is the draw for children. That is what we can offer that they can find nowhere else. There is the cleansing, there is the cure, there is the children. But finally, notice in verse 15, the religious leaders, they were sore displeased. Well, what's that? The conviction. The conviction. Do you know why you get angry when you see people get blessed? You're under conviction. That's why. See, God don't bring anger to us when he blesses us. God brings joy to us when he blesses us. And the reason that you get so distraught when you see these things happening, it displeases you because you feel like you're not in control and that you, you're no longer able to control what's happening. Look at me. I want to tell you something tonight as sincerely as I can. I don't want to be in control of what God's doing. You say, I'm afraid that it will become uncontrollable. Hey, friend, God has a way of keeping things in line. I would rather be at a place where the presence and power of the Holy Ghost has liberty to bless the least to the eldest as to be in a place where he is tied up going round and round. Not because he doesn't have more power and can do what he wants to do, but for some reason God says the hinging factor here is us. Now that's amazing, the Holy Spirit, he was part of creation. The Holy Spirit was part of inspiration of the word of God. We wouldn't have the Bible if he didn't inspire it. So he created a world. He wrote a book we call the Bible. He is the one that brings us to new life. It is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He is the one that raises us from the dead. He has all of this power, but yet with all of this power, He says, I will not force you to worship the Lord. I will not force you to praise the Lord. I will not force you to say amen. I will not force you to live in joy. With all the power that he has and all that he could do, including raising every child of God from the grave right now, 
He will not do it if you grieve him. He will allow you to say, I don't want this. So you've got to make your mind up. In every church, you're always going to have a few that don't want that. So what do you do, preacher, when you're that way? Well, you don't throw people out. You praise them out. <laughs> you do, you praise them out. They'll, they'll get so angry, they'll tell on themselves, and when they tell on themselves, sooner or later, they're not gonna stand it, they can't stand to sit under it, they hate it. Now, by the way, you've got a bad problem in your heart, in your heart, spiritually, if you get angry over people praising God. I don't understand all the praise in this world. I, I wish I could tell you, I have been places, I have traveled this world over, and I have been places that I couldn't understand one word they were saying. I couldn't understand one word in the song they were singing. I couldn't understand what they were saying when they were praising the Lord. I couldn't speak their language. I didn't know what they were saying, but I'll tell you one thing. I could sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in what they were saying. And there are times where the Holy Spirit is saying, I've got so much more for you. If you would just turn loose and let me give it to you. I've got more for you if you just receive it and accept it in Jesus' name. I've got greater things for you to do if you would just trust me. But that means you have to lose control. The Bible says, be not drunken with wine wherein is excess. You understand what it means to be drunk? Have any of you, have everybody in here seen somebody drunk? I didn't ask you if you've been drunk. You've seen somebody that's been drunk? Come on, help me, see. You've seen somebody been drunk? Yeah. Are they aware of what they're doing? Huh. Well, he says, be not drunken with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Do you know that they thought the disciples were drunk? And they said, how can this be? Look at the time of the day. It's too early in the day for them to be drunk. They were drunk, but they weren't drunk with wine. They were drunk with new wine. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing, you hear me, preachers, all of you preachers hear me. There is nothing like preaching a message and you have to go back and listen to it to make sure what you said. Boy, that got quiet. What do you mean? Because the Lord brings things that you've studied to mind and, and you look back on it and you say, that was the Lord helping me through the Spirit to give a testimony. And when it's over, everybody telling you how they were blessed by it and helped by it. And you're thinking, I don't even know for sure what I said. What you said was seasoned with the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying, God has more for Rubyville. This isn't the end of the journey. The best is yet to come. And as long as we keep the dove free, we'll be all right. Setting the dove free. 